Okay, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Energized Ross. Introduce the guest, man. Oh, from the sunny south, we have SBG Cork's head trainer, Mr. Liam Og Griffin. Liam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I, I feel like I need to do some shadow boxing after that intro. Well, you can do it. You can, <laughs> people on Spotify won't be able to see it, so no need. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe at the end, if they're lucky. But, uh, I, I am the Bruce Buffer of the uh, MMA podcast game. <laughs> that is undeniable, I think. That's pretty undeniable. Uh, Liam, how are you doing? 360, so. Liam, how are you doing? Oh, how are you doing down in Cork, by the way? Like, uh, obviously, the last year has been just absolutely crazy, especially in, for Irish MMA. How are you keeping? Yeah, we're tipping away. I mean, you know, we're in the same boat as everybody else. You know, the gym has been closed 11 out of the last 13 months now. Um, but, you know, we keep in touch with all our members online. Um, Obviously, we have the, the the professional fighters have their own kind of bubbles and stuff like that, so we can keep them going. And uh, but everybody else has been patient and doing their bit for for this whole crisis. And uh, yeah, we're we're hanging in there. Um, it's been tough. It's still tough. Um, but we are through it more or less, and uh, we will be hitting the ground running once uh, everything opens back up. No, absolutely, uh, Liam. One thing I really did want to get into with is. Uh, obviously, we had Philip Mulpeter on. He's doing great things with Gamma. And then we have Paddy, Poul- Paddy Houlihan on. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's doing great things. Paddy Houlihan. I, I could not laugh there, man. Uh, <laughs> Paddy Houlihan on. Um, and Jesus, that, that one got deep as well. Um, yeah. Lovely fella. And now we have yourself on. We're trying to get all the main figureheads of Irish MMA on. Yeah. And uh, you do great things down in Cork. But one thing that I think has been fed back to us is, I know there's IMAF. IMA, which you're heavily involved in, and then Gamma. Could you actually give us a brief description of each of them and what makes them different? Sure. Well, let's start from the top. You have IMAF is the is the leading global body. It's not the only global body, but is the leading global body in terms of international MMA at, from an amateur point of view. And their remit and goal, and it's looking very likely, is to get MMA to the Olympics by 2028 which would be phenomenal for, obviously, for uh, the, the young athletes that are kind of starting out in their early teens now. And, you know, uh, that, that would be a goal for them in 2028. A lot of the guys who are amateur now will be professional by then, so it doesn't really matter to them. But um, the, the workload that, that's involved in getting to that stage is just, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's even hard to, to, to fathom the amount of uh, red tape that they have to cut through on an international basis. They need to have more than 50 countries worldwide uh, recognized by their own governments. They need to have like so, so, much, so many different uh, I's dotted and T's crossed and they're doing a phenomenal job. And that's, that's just the political side. They also run the major tournaments, the world championships, the regional championships in, in each continent. And then they promote and help uh, or, or are trying to push a national championships under all of those as well. And uh, in the last Two years, they've also introduced the youth, um, the rule set for the youths. So the, the kids from ages 12 to 17 now have a world championships. So IMAF is the, is the worldwide body and they then provide support and a, a kind of an, an overall um, map for individual countries to try and organize their stuff together. IMA is the, the body that is affiliated to IMAF representing Irish MMA and it's it's just amateur MMA right now. We, we like we have a lot a lot of work to do. Obviously, um, you know, it was a few years ago we had that tragic incident with Joe Carvalho that kind of uh, put a spotlight on Irish MMA. We were almost banned at one point, and there was a lot of toing and froing. And uh, you know, the, the the goal of getting Irish MMA unified and and everybody's act together and and running um, shows for amateurs safely and efficiently that was already underway. But then the Joe Carvalho incident just put a fire under that and, and now it's been accelerated. And um, so that's what I am as about. And we can talk a little bit more about that as well, if you want. Um, Gamma, uh, just like uh, a number of other um, smaller kind of novice shows, which is, which is where they started Gamma. Um, and before that, the Midlands Open, of course, um, we've been to a few of them uh, ourselves. Uh, Phil does a great job at that. Um, we have a similar one that we've been running down in Cork for the last like, six or seven years, the, 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 the Cork Open, the MMA Open. Um, there was the Irish Open that Dino Wade ran in, in um, City West a few years ago. 
Um, Declan Kennan and the Cage Legacy lads ran a couple of novice shows. So these are all kind of feeder shows that kind of uh, are like novice level shows that give the guys something to start with because amateur MMA is not a beginner sport. It's tough. No. It's rough. You know, somebody, somebody that has their first fight, and I know because I had my, I made my debut back in 2011 in Neptune Stadium on Cage Warriors 42, got the shit kicked out of me in front of all my friends and family who were all pissed. It was on, um, it's still on Fight Pass, um, <laughs> you know, so, and that was my first fight. That was my debut into MMA. That's not how you start at any sport. You can so, just hear everyone hitting pause and looking at that photo up now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's embarrassing. I don't even watch it myself anymore, but like, but it's it's a it's a hugely important step for um competitors to be able to get their foot on the the, the competition ladder and uh yeah there's a there's a few shows like that um i probably left out a couple of them now, but yeah that that's the kind of delay to land with those three levels that you've asked me about anyway no that, that that's actually very descriptive and i'm sure yeah. that really helps the listener home to be like right so that's what all those letters mean mm-hmm. um because to a lot of people they are just letters they don't they don't understand past that um Liam, one thing that we've we've sort of spoken with other guests is what do you think is one of the key factors to help grow Irish MMA and, you know, take it from the grassroots and, you know, to create these future superstars? And I don't just mean in coaching, but like to sort of have a strategy and sort of tier levels to, you know, sure. move people on. It's almost, oh, we're almost looking for a belt system, except in MMA, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, and that's already there. And that's something that we're, we were supposed to be rolling out the end of last year, but obviously uh, various different lockdowns have, have, have um, restricted that. So yeah, it, like the, the future is to create a, de- a developmental path. And this is not just for MMA. This is, this, there's no point in us reinventing the wheel here. Many different sports have done this where they've become uh, mainstream and they've become huge sports. You look at um, soccer, GAA, rugby, any of the field sports, um, look at any of the other martial arts that have hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people worldwide um involved in the sport in ireland we are like in the mma community we have a lot of mma fans but maybe not so many people that are actually actively involved in the sport because it started out as a professional fight sport and what we've got to do is we've got so that's the top tier if you think of a pyramid that's like the the, the apex of the pyramid is the is the pros you've likes of mcgregor and all of these guys getting millions for for prize fighting but in order to create an infrastructure that fuels that economy, you have to build the, the, the lower stacks in that. And that means you have to have your amateur very, very strong. You have to have your novices very, very strong. You have to have your hobbyists involved, the people who actually go ahead and buy the tickets for pay-per-views. You have to have your fan base, your coaches, your officials, everybody across the board. And, and at a certain point, you need parents involved. You need uh, uh, kids learning how to do MMA safely and um, in, in controlled environments that that is that that their parents can trust in, and then everybody contributes to this massive economy. That's how you develop anything, any business, any sport. That's how you do it. How do we do that? We do it with a clear, defined developmental path, and that's what IMAF is producing on a worldwide space, and then they're filtering it down to a national space. The gradings that you mentioned, IMAF already have that rolled out. Um, it's it's in the progress, in the process of being implemented in 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 countries all over the world france have already adopted it uh, mainstream so we were as i said andy ryan and uh, danny core and um uh, john cavanagh were were going to be doing the the first lot of gradings the end of last year and it was it was going to be kind of uh, something that was uh, rolled out over the next couple of years and where where that comes into it is let's say you have you have a show coming up. Now you can match people according to levels. It's not just about like, oh, he hasn't fought yet. So therefore we'll put him up against another debut guy. But these guys might come from a boxing background. It might come from a kickboxing background. They might have a hundred sample fights in a different country, which happens. And, but because they're O and O in MMA, they end up matching each other. It could be a, a grossly mismatched fight. But if you had two guys who were green belts or whatever, whatever the, it doesn't matter what you call mm, it. Yeah, It could be, an indigo belt, it could be a purple patch, it could be a, a blue chevron, it, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Just make some sort of a level where we can say, right, these guys are the same weight and they're roughly the same ability level. That should be a good match. That will be a safe contest for those two people to, to take part in. And then now you can you can go from the youngest kids right up to the, to the adults. Once they become uh, elite level uh, amateurs, they should be 
in and around uh, the, the darker colors like purples and browns. And when they become pros or, or when they have a, a vast 10, 15 years of experience behind them, maybe then they become a black belt and maybe people would want to become a black belt in MMA as, as they would love to be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. How prestigious is the black belt in jiu-jitsu? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's very prestigious. And it will yeah. also depend on who you're getting under as well. I mean, Absolutely. Like there's, there's, there's tiers to that. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then you start getting your black belt with your, you know, your red little uh, notch on it and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or I suppose if you go the 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 Gracie tier, you're almost like 10th degree belt, black belt. Mm-hmm. 11-3 and so on and so forth. Yeah, and there was a bit of pushback early on about the belt system. I mean, people saying, oh, there's no, there's no belts in, in MMA. Why, why are you just creating it? There was no belt, no belts in jiu-jitsu as well at one point in time. Mm. You know, but you, you take any black belt in jiu-jitsu and say, right, your belt is not worth anything. I'll take that off either. Thanks very much. They will break your arms. You know, that, that, that belt is worth something to them. And we, we, like we're in a position at the moment where we're starting out this system and we, we have the option. We can either create a system that doesn't really mean anything and nobody, nobody really cares about, or we can make it prestigious as the jujitsu black belt, uh, belt system is and people would want to be a black belt in MMA at some point in time. And that might take us 10 years. And I, it's, I, worth, it's worth achieving. I, I do suppose like if I asked my mom or I asked you know, a random person on the street and said, and I went up and went, I'm a martial artist. They probably picture me being like, that fella probably wears one of those fancy dressing gowns with a belt on, you know what I mean? And they'd like, <laughs> and they probably only go, they probably go, are you a black belt? And then, you know, or a white belt. And that's probably the only two belts they know, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So like, I think a belt system works out well. It translates to, you know, someone going to their first ever show, you know what I mean? They, they can uh, put it on and the way you can actually structure the card, you can always put the black belts on in the main event and then bring Same it down. The tournament. Yep. Yeah. And bring it down the card. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It's an easy follow. Um, you know, if you're providing programs or something on the day, it makes it very easy for, you know, Joe Soap, who's coming in off the street to go, you know what? That makes sense. And, yeah. and don't forget, you have people who, like the vast majority of people who, who practice MMA, certainly in, in SPG Cork, only 10% of our membership have any indication or any inclination to ever compete, whether it be jiu-jitsu or, or MMA. The vast, vast majority of people are, are in it as a hobby. They just want to, to learn self-defense. They want to get fitter. They want to get in shape. They want to know more about the sport that they're a fan of. So give them something to aim for. Let them have a criteria over which a number of years they can develop into uh, um, an accomplished martial artist that has a something, a belt, a stripe, a tattoo, something that, that indicates that, that that's a, a kind of a return on their investment of time and knowledge and, and uh, uh, effort. Um, every, other, every other martial art has it apart from, I know Muay Thai doesn't do it. Boxing has their boxing record, but they do have a developmental structure of going through the, the, the various... Um, uh, county championships, national championships. Mm. You've got the Olympics. Yeah. You've got this, that, and the other. There's always a developmental pathway, and that's that's what, what we need to be doing, and that's that's what is happening. IMAF is leading the way on this, and IMAF is trying to implement it as we go along. It's a lot of work involved in it, by the way. Yeah, yeah it sounds, sounds like a lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> no, the, what's called that? Uh, I'm fair play to you for being one of the people leading the charge. I, I just like to see that you know, MMA in Ireland. It seems to be in good hands. It seems to have, you know, just from the people you list, listed off, like some of the top people, like trying to, you know, create some sort of almost formality to it that like everyone's under the, sa- the same sort of structure. And I think that's what it needs more than anything. You know, mm-hmm. we were talking to Paddy Hula and we were saying, you know, would funding from the government help? And he was like, here, look, you can always sort of raise money. Yeah, funding from the government would be nice, but the chances of getting it are quite slim. And he was saying that, Look, you can always sort of raise money, but uh, he was even saying when people do go off the IMAFs, uh, you know, I mean, that could almost be done slightly better in a way. I think I was talking about that. You know, I mean, everyone almost goes as an individual, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, they cover their own costs, as opposed to maybe if you almost rang Aer Lingus and were like, hey, look, we have a plane full of people coming off. Can you do us a discount? And then you ring the hotel and go, look, we all want to book. 40 rooms you do a discount that sort of thing uh maybe you could do better because we were sort of saying that we might not necessarily be sending the best people we're almost sending the best people who can afford to go which isn't exactly what you want to represent your country if that makes sense yeah so i, I heard i heard that discussion uh, on both uh, phil's and uh, paddy's and i was screaming at the tv because i have a bit of a bone to pick about that 
right? So first off, first <laughs> off, right. you come from any, on. <laughs> you come from any martial arts that's not boxing, and mm. you get to a high level, uh, international level, kickboxing, karate. That's my own background. Taekwondo, judo, doesn't matter what it is. You get on the Irish team, you're paying your own way. There is no funding for that. It doesn't happen in any other sport. It doesn't even happen in jiu-jitsu now. Jiu-jitsu is, is like, how, how much does it cost to go into an IBGF tournament? Any idea? Somewhere between 100 and 150 quid. Oh, I was right? going to say 200 quid, but yeah, go on. Yeah, and, and some of them are. Some of them are. No, the medals are lovely, but that's a one-day tournament. You don't get any food and accommodation. You don't get any equipment, right? So people are, are and nobody complains about this. That doesn't include your flights, your accommodation. You're probably going to Madrid for a weekend. So that, that would cost you six, 700 quid just to compete. And then you might lose your first fight and you're out the gap and that's it. That's the way it is, right? Yeah. Just because we, we have this uh, um, a cost associated with MMA competition at an international level, it's exactly the same as every other martial art. And none of the other martial arts are getting funding for that particular purpose, apart from boxing and athletics and any of the the well, well-established Olympic sports that have come back from Olympics with, with gold medals, then the money increases and then eventually you get there, right? Yeah. Now, having said that, an IMAF tournament is approximately €1,500. That, like, on average, right? I've been mm. to nine of them. I've paid my way for, 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 for every time I've gone. And uh, I've, I've got a bunch of athletes that, that have done multiple IMAF mm. tournaments. Ryan Spillane has done eight tournaments. And every single time it averages it out, about 1,500 euro. What are you getting for that? You're getting five days of, of events. You're getting your accommodation, your food, and the equipment that you fight in. Now, uh, the coaches have to pay as well. But let's, let's, remi- let's remind yourself of how much does a hotel cost for a week? How much does your food, food cost for a week? Six, 700 quid? It's not bad. All right? Now, I know it, like, mm. I would much prefer as a coach not to have to pay, but I don't expect anybody to be paying my, 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 ho- my hotel expenses either for me, you know? Um, if, if, if I went to corner some of my jujitsu athletes, I would have to pay for my own flights and accommodation also. So I, it, it is what it is. Um, it is expensive. There, there is not going to be any funding, even if we do become recognized as a government, uh, uh, by the government, there's probably not going to be funding for that in the next uh, decade, at least. And the cost is there, but also this is, this is about how bad do you want it? Do you want to be a world champion? Do you want to be a UFC champion? Is it that important enough to you that you make sacrifices everywhere else in your life? You get an extra part-time job. You beg, borrow, and steal. You look for sponsorship. As a club, you get behind your athletes and you, you do fundraiser and you get them there. Do you want to be a world champion or not? That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the biggest question. So I don't, I, I understand where you're coming from with regards to the, uh, the, the cost of it, but um, I don't believe that, um, I don't believe that there's anybody who hasn't, I don't believe there's anybody left off a team because of the cost of going everybody has 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 the opportunity to go and and get this done we we would offer help to anybody to help them to um like to to write begging letters for sponsorship i've done it i've given everybody that that's been on the last few irish teams i've given them the letters that we use down in down in sbg cork for um plaguing local businesses and trying to get 50 quid here 50 quid there it all adds up so the help is there it's a cost, but how bad do you want it? This is this uh, is uh, Dana White. Do you want to be a fighter? Do you want to be a fucking <laughs> fighter? That's exactly what it is. Do you want to be a world champion? Can you do without a, a sun holiday and a drinking holiday in Magaluf for the chance to become a world champion in IMAF? That's my question. Yeah. I was, I was actually, I know this is a bit of a to the left, but uh, I was listening to Ben Askren on uh, he was talking to Dave Portnoy and he was saying when he was younger like his parents wanted to bring away on holidays and he was just told them they should go because he wants to become a world champion in wrestling and it's that's just the way it is Ross isn't it like I mean some people are getting into the game maybe for the glitz and the glamour but other people are into it because they love it but like Liam like how many how often has that happened where you picked someone and then they just weren't able to go because they couldn't afford it like it seems to be happening next to no times Almost never, almost never. I mean, uh, we have had a few times where people have been selected, and we say weeks before the the final, like the, the payments were due and stuff like that, they they message and say, "Look, I just I can't get the money together, or I can't get the time off work." Almost as equal um, to not being able to afford it is the time off work, right? Yeah. And then you say, "Okay, we have we'll offer the place to somebody else," but you had the first refusal, and and that's it. Um, do you know, 
I, I'm not saying that that it, like everybody should have fifteen hundred quid just just sitting under their mattress waiting for a championships. But you know, it I, it's very very rare that it has been the case that somebody didn't go because they couldn't afford to go. There's, yeah. there's many athletes that have been um, very generously sponsored by local businesses within their own uh, organization. Mm. And there's many athletes where the club that they've come from have rallied around them to promote or, or to, to chip in, to get that athlete to the championships. Yeah. This I happens think... in every sport. This is not just MMA. I've got two athletes here. Um, they're, they're, they were supposed to make their MMA debut, uh, Chris and Sean McCarthy, karate twins, as we call them. And they, they, um, they are actually going to a qualifier next month and they're hoping to be at the Olympics in, in, in Tokyo uh, in the summer. They're, they're that level in, in karate, right? And they're, they're part of the association which has the path to the Olympics. Now, in 2019, they did all of the qualifying tournaments and because they were, um, they were 17 at the time or something like that, they had to travel with, um, with a guardian at all times. In the accumulation of all of the tournaments that they traveled in 2019, the family ended up paying 25,000 euro to make sure that those kids got to every single um, qualifier throughout that year. Now, that was done a, 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 in, in a series of fundraising. The parents obviously chipped in. The, the, the two boys got, got part-time jobs. These lads are, want to be on the Olympics that bad that they would crawl over broken glass to get there. And it's part of it. It's and it's not just MMA. It's every sport. We have these types of stories in boxing. We have it in in GAA. We have we have it everywhere. There's a certain level of desire that's required if you want to be a world champion, and that comes with, like none. There's nobody here that's been to the world championships that that's that's a millionaire. I could tell you there's like I, I've had to beg, borrow, and steal to get there myself. I'm certainly not floating on a load of money, but it's that important enough for me for it to 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 raise future IMAF champions and get them to the, to the likes of Bellator and UFC that I will crawl over broken glass to get there. Yeah. I think, I think me and Ross were just sort of like, we were worried that some people in the Irish MMA scene that could be future champions. They're just missing out just purely financially. And I think that's, that's one of the main reasons why we were getting yourself. Yeah. No, I, I, I understand. On, you know? Yeah. No, I and understand. It, and and the, 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 there is certainly, there is a cost. I'm not, I'm not diminishing the cost of it at all. I'm, I'm just saying that it's, I, I don't remember an athlete that was left behind because they couldn't afford it. Yeah. No, that's just what we're happened. worried about, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do think if the sport does get an Olympic recognition, it could be massive for sport in general and from a financial point of view, because then the government will almost be forced, their hand will be forced that they will have to give some form of sponsorship. And, you know, I mean, even if it was a hundred euro off or 200 euro off an athlete, it yep. would go a long, long way. I know there are companies out there like indeed who do sponsor Olympic athletes and yep. athletes that haven't gone to the Olympics yet, Olympic hopefuls and stuff like that. So like I'm yep. sort of looking, you know, I'm waiting for some company that has a foothold in MMA to, you know, get what's called sponsor the IMAT team to go off the IMAFs and, and, yep. you know, and the, like you say, Limo, they don't have to, you know, Take, take the millions out to send every Tom, Dick and Harry over. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> a small bit can go a long way. I mean, yep. Ross, you're, you're trying to get invited there yourself. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to get invited myself. <laughs> He's like, I'm, how can I be the, I am a Bruce Buffer. <laughs> I, can be the, I can be the water boy. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it, it is, it is an issue. The, you know, it does cost money. And I, I, I you know, I, I know that, that I just, okay. The, the bone I had to pick was that like, I, I think it was framed that, uh, there was a kind of an elitist, an elitism of kind of all the rich guys are gone and all the poor guys are left behind. That's just not how, what's happening. And well, in, terms here. This, here. in terms of the selection process also, there is no favoritism or, or anything like that going on. There is a squad. Andy Ryan is the head coach of, of the, the Irish national team. Good we, run squad. <laughs> <laughs> we run squad sessions outside of pandemic times, of course. And there is an Irish team. That's it. There is no, there is no SBG. There is no team rider. There is no CMAC. There is no MMA Cork. There is no, there's no teams. There's a team Ireland. You turn up at the squads, you register your interest to be part of team Ireland. That's going on whatever campaign that's going. Every member club of IMA receives notification of this via email and um, through the social media channels. And those who turn up, you put the time in, you, you do your training uh, on the session and, uh, you apply, we, we, there's two places in every weight class. Over the last few years, it's been very, very rare where we've had to have fight-offs 
for the individual places. So most times we say specifically in the heavier weight classes or in the lightweight classes, we have less athletes than we have places for. So those selections are automatic. Fine, great, brilliant. Nothing to worry about there. Where you have selection is usually in the male featherweight, between featherweight and welterweight, or between featherweight and middleweight, uh, perhaps. Yeah. There's, there may be three athletes have, and there's only two spots. Um, and then in that case, we would, at the next available show, maybe it's a Cage Legacy, maybe it's a Cage Warriors Academy, maybe, maybe it's uh, another show, we would make sure that those two fighters were matched on that card and whoever won got the space. That would, that has happened. A, would that be announced? Would people know beforehand? Yep, yep. It's, it's been done on uh, Battlezone twice. Um, it was done on Cage Legacy a number of times. I, I believe there was a fight off between uh, Jack Monaghan and Lee Hammond at one stage for, for the remaining lightweight space. That was the year that, um, um, that I think that was for Europeans. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I don't want to be doing Jack Monaghan dirty here now, but I think Lee Hammond won the fight. But well, I do then, remember seeing Lee, Lee go off. Yeah. Go, what's called, um, I think he went off to win those Europeans or World Championships. Was that this time last year at FICON? Remember, uh, remember um, Kiefer was keeping an eye on Lee Hammond over in uh, uh, gold somewhere and they were, they were all celebrating there? No, well, uh, Lee Hammond was the, the 2018 World Champion, same, same year as uh, mm. Ryan Spillan. Now, I think it was the year before that. I, was t- I think it was 2017 where Lee was selected, but he actually injured his thumb weeks beforehand. And then Jack Monaghan was offered a spot and, and Jack went. And he fought on that. It was actually, it was. It was the European Championships in 2018 in Romania. Um, and how did Jack do? Jack, um, I believe he went out in the quarterfinals of that, of that particular tournament. That was a tough year. That was, well, that was a really tough year. I suppose at lightweight, you're always going to come up against some of the top talents because it's a lot of people's natural weight class. It's one, you know, when you meet a common fella off the street who does train they're going to be yeah. in around that build so it, it yeah it is a very top. common weight yeah yeah you'll see it in the tournament uh, um, listings the, 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 the there's uh, 32 in every division in, in every weight class and it's a five-day tournament so the, the 32 fight down to 16 down to eight down to four and then there's the finals on saturday and, and it's random draw isn't it it's um it's seeded so oh, if you have okay. if if um you'd have like the, the 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 number the number one two three and four are ranked um based on previous imaf tournaments we say the gold medalists and the silver medalists from last year's championships would be on opposite sides of the draw. So the only way they could meet is back in the final again. So there's things like that. But apart from uh, the top four rankings, it's, it is random. It's literally mm-hmm. computer generated. It's done on big screen in front of all of the athletes the night before the first fight. And it's extremely transparent. But you could, I mean, it, it happened with, uh, with Ryan Spillane in 2019 um, World Championships. Now he had, he was, he was the defending world champion and he went out um he went and fought a guy from Russia in the, uh, it was the quarterfinals. So there was only the, he, yeah, it was the quarterfinals. The dude that he fought was a, a two-time Sambo world champion with over 300 fights in Sambo. But it was only a second MMA fight. So you're going into a tournament and there's no, there's no footage on these Russian guys because their, their, their names are, are kind of spelt in different alphabets. So there's the Cyrillic alphabet and the, 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 whatever our one is. I don't know what that one's called. The Latin alphabet. The common alphabet. <laughs> that, that one, yeah. But you, you can type their name in as it is on the on the IMAF um, roster yeah. and you find nothing. Nothing on YouTube, nothing on Facebook, nothing on Instagram. You'd have to know how to translate it into the Cyrillic alphabet. And then when you go do that, there's there's a hundred of them. So which one is it? You, It's so <laughs> difficult, you know? So, but yeah, anybody that's going through that IMAF, man, like the, the likes of Lee Hammond. Lee Hammond uh, won five fights in five days to become the 2018 world champion. And then the following year went in and uh, went out in the quarterfinals in his first fight. It's crazy. Like the, the levels are just absolutely insane. Well, I suppose like, as you know, every fighter has good days and bad days as well. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You need to be on at all times and you need to be switched in, switched on. And if you're not, you know what I mean? You could have taken a long flight for, you know, a short, short time in the cage. Yep. But uh, Liam, I must say, thanks so much for clearing like, loads that up uh really yeah. really insightful um part of the reason we got you here because we knew how involved i may were and we we're like right well like let i actually said to barry i was like i actually want Lemo to break down all the organizations and then like tell us how it works and like you've actually done a perfect job of that can I make a recommendation for you in terms of the, 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 the political uh, side of IMAM, what IMA is currently mm. trying to do? There's a lot of breakthroughs coming, coming through in the next 12 months. Can I recommend that you get on Tim Murphy, the current chairman for IMA, who yeah. 
knows the entire ins and outs of where we are with Sport Ireland, where we are with the, the national governing body uh, status and uh, what's stopping us from getting status, what are the roadblocks and, and what we're doing to, to get around it. There's some phenomenal work going on in the background there that it's, 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 difficult to, um, it's difficult to put it out there because you don't want to put, uh, we say, uh, um, some civil, ver- civil servants nose out a joint before you have a, a meeting in two weeks' time or something mm-hmm. like that. But Tim does a great job in bringing it, breaking it down and he would give you the 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 blow by blow the analysis of, of of where we're going and what has been done in the last like 5 years it's been there's been a lot of people working tirelessly with with no like like giving their their own free time um to to put hours into these endless books of notes and pages and back and forth emails and it's slow progress but it's steady progress and there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs this year. And I think Tim would give you a phenomenal breakdown of what's coming down the tracks. I think you wrote that down, Basmo. Did you? I, did. Uh, I actually wrote like uh, Ross Lloyd to Lee Moog there, but I'm only messing. <laughs> but uh, career, career, like, like how, how much has stuff progressed over the last year? Obviously, a lot of people are stuck at home. Like, yep. how, like how much has COVID like either like hurry things up or slow things down? Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see everybody come back out of the blocks because uh, um one of the things that's common knowledge with, with regards to training for fights is that you don't really make developmental leaps when you're training for a fight. You're in fight camp, you're basically fighting the scales and you're getting ready with your cardio and you're just fine-tuning what you've already got. When you have a time, a, a, a break, then you have time to go and learn new technique. You get to develop your skills. You get to improve on aspects of the game that you don't normally have time to work on. And we've had an entire country of dedicated athletes just spend 12 months developing. What the hell is going to come out of that? I'm very, very excited to see the, the, the strides that people have made. And I can see it from, from my lads in the gym, the, 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 the pros, like Pali Han is, is a different animal to this time last year. Hulk yeah, is... Shut up, pa. Yeah, and Hulk, like Ryan Spillane, he, he, like Ryan Spillane's a different shape than he was this time last year. Do you know these guys... In a good way or a bad way? <laughs> I don't want to give him a big head, right? Because he already loves himself that much. But no, Oh, we know, we know. <laughs> so he's been described as going from... Um, hold on, let me get this right now. Is it the Luke Ferrigno Hulk? Is that the older guy? Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, now, and now he's the Mark Gruffalo Hulk. <laughs> so, so he's, he's the Marvel Comics Hulk. So he, he he's the what's it called CGI Hulk. Then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, and and th- th- they're just the athletes that I I can see with my own eyes. But I know mm. that there's lads uh, putting in the time uh, wherever they can. They're in small bubbles somewhere, or they're training in their back garden. They're watching uh, instructional DVDs and and grappling a, a grappling dummy at home and learning out the leg lock or something. But what we will see coming out the blocks here in, in the summertime, hopefully, um, hopefully Cage Legacy will be back. I know Clan Wars are on in, in, at the end of uh, May as well. Hopefully those shows go ahead. Uh, you're going to see some phenomenal performances and, and, and phenomenal changes in the athletes. And I think you're going to have a, a much better appreciation from the athletes themselves as to what they were missing. You might have been taking it for granted all along. I'll mm. just fight whenever I want. These guys are like, I, I, I couldn't fight for the last year. I've got one fella that keeps texting me every day. He's like, can I fight tomorrow? Can I fight tomorrow? He's like, there's no freaking shows on. Leave me alone. But he never did that last year. But mm. this year, because he can't have it, now he wants it. And maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see a big boost in, in people's desire to fight this year. And I think um, the fans will win from that. Yeah, well, that's definitely a big thing. Cause... Go on, Barry. No, I was just going to say, Ross, that's that's actually pretty good to hear. I I actually thought Liam might be saying something, not negative, but it was just, it goes to show that people are still grinding in the background. As Liam was saying earlier, it was uh, mm-hmm. champions are going to still want to be champions. So there, there, there has been cro- progression where we thought this might be actually a really negative thing, but it's actually turned, turned out to be a pretty good thing. Maybe maybe it's just in Cork, but... Uh, I'm sure it's not just in Cork. I'm no, sure no, it's, it's, it's nationwide. There have yeah. been some setbacks. I, I, like just from from the IMA point of view, I know that there are clubs that had closed their doors within within, like, with the sentiment that they probably wouldn't open again. Um, it was at least four or five clubs that um, we we received that unfortunate email from, and you know we wished them the best, the, the best. And if there's anything that IMA can do, certainly to support, just reach out or whatever. Um, but in for the most part, everybody's just been taken away, you know, keeping their online classes going. Um, uh, Ashling, that works here as the administrator for IMA, it has been kind of keeping in touch with all the various clubs and, and kind of helping them to share information. There's been some clubs that they, they were doing much better with Zoom classes and they, they kind of shared how, how they were doing it. 
and then Ashling would pass that on to other clubs and maybe maybe help them to do it as well. Um, so yeah, it, it it hasn't been all rosy in the garden, but um, you know we are the Fighting Irish for a reason, and we've we've gotten through it this far, and we're going to come out the other side fighting as well. Amen, Absolutely. baby. Amen. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're we're going to move on to UFC two sixty one in two seconds, but before we do, um, Pa and Ryan have fights coming up. Do you want to tell us about them for a quick two minutes? Sure. So Pa is um Pa. Pa is going to be fighting at the end of May in uh, Luxembourg. It's on a new promotion called Soko FC. And he's fighting a kid from France uh, whose nickname is Tarzan. Don't know anything else about him. That's about it. Um, so uh, Pa is, as I said, he's in phenomenal shape. He's actually fighting in his own weight class at this time for a change. So he'll be fighting at featherweight. Normally he fight, he'll fight anywhere from featherweight to welterweight. He doesn't care. Um, he's just one of them, you know. Um, but this is, the, his, this is his weight class. This is where um, w- when we do get um, a... a a kind of a, a more mainstream contract for him. This is where I want him. I want him at, at featherweight. This is where he's. The, this is where his natural size come uh, is his advantage. So he's fighting uh, May twenty eighth there in Luxembourg, um, and then on July twenty fifth, both of them are on the Battle Arena card in Birmingham. So um, Hulk was the European amateur heavyweight champion for Battle Arena, like four years ago, I think. He, I think every won. time Ryan fought, he got new championships, didn't he? Yeah, but <laughs> he he won that one uh, with a seven a seven second head kick KO. Oh, well, I'm sure they're only dying to have him back. So they they actually yeah no they, they they there was a kind of a message went out on on one of the forums saying they were looking for a heavyweight, and by the time I messaged um, James Price, the 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 CEO of Battle Arena, they had already matched that that fight, so that that fight was gone. And then uh, he was like, he sent me the sad face emoji. Oh, sorry, we've already matched that fight. I put down the phone and it rang again straight away. What What if we have this guy fight him instead? We really want him. So yeah, he's he's going over and uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. So he's fighting um, um, a guy called Romek Sim. Romek Sim is three and one as an amateur and two and all as a pro. Um, he's from Eastern Europe. Don't, don't ask me where. Um, but like Hulk will just flatten him. Yeah, because he signed to Bellator as well, didn't he? And then that's yeah. just... No, no, it's he's still signed to Bellator. So he's he's officially a Bellator fighter, but he has a one fight release because uh, Bellator are not going to be running a European show, possibly until the end of this year. Um, hopefully, at the end of this year, we're, we're hoping that they will be back in October, but um, we we just don't know. So in the meantime, they've they've given uh, Ryan a one fight release, um, get get him going, and you know, um, yeah. we'll be back for that then shortly Ross, after. Ross, we're gonna have to invite the lads on before the fights as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, quick, just one quick one. Now. Will there be any issues with hotel quarantine and stuff coming back into the country after going over those shows? Yeah, so we're trying to we're we're trying to figure that out at the moment. In fact, um, we've been just working all morning uh, for Dean Barry, um, from SBG Charleston. He's flying out to um, Titan, Titan, out to Dominican Republic. Yeah, and correct. Yeah, and uh, so he'd be the first Irish athlete, and I think um, is uh, Liam McCourt is fighting in the US as well shortly afterwards, Next or maybe week. the same weekend. Yeah, so those two from Charlestown are the first uh, to test the waters on this. So officially, um, professional athletes and elite sports athletes that are going to COVID-controlled environments to compete as part of their sports are exempt from that hotel quarantine. But that's athletes who are recognised by Sport Ireland. IMA. And MMA is not recognized by Sport Ireland. So we have a bit of work to do there. Um, IMA have already issued or, or are currently issuing letters to uh, those athletes to, to say that, like, obviously IMA consider them to be elite athletes and professional athletes. Um, but I just don't know how much weight that that holds with regards to uh, whoever the authority is when they fly back in. So we're, we're trying to clear that up with Sport Ireland at the moment. It's just one of the jobs that, that we're kind of trying to work on in the background here. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it all works out because like I'm sure you'd hate you'd, you'd you'd hate for any of those guys to take fights, especially your guys in the pro day view, and then end up yeah. coming back and own money uh, after yeah. you know. Yeah, get, no, get I'm sure I'm sure they will day. be okay, but it's just we 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 have a bit of work to do there, yeah. and that's that's just one of the one of those jobs in the background that 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 I'm at is helping to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we like, the, who's going to do it otherwise? You know, it's it it, it needs a national mm-hmm. governing body to sort out these little issues. You know. And uh, I was going to say this is all fair, but like, who knows? You could look at flying out of Belfast and see what happens from from there. Still won't work. No. Okay. Uh, uh, we tried I, that already. I, I always, 
Okay, fair enough. I always, I always, I'm always one for a chance my arm. I chance my arm everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Yeah, we tried that already. And uh, the, the the weird thing as well is if you get caught for hotel quarantine, let's say you fly back into Cork, mm. then they'll put you on a bus and make you do your hotel quarantine in Dublin. Dublin. So you, you fly into Cork, you get on a bus all the way up the motorway to Dublin, and then you start your hotel quarantine. So it's 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 a mess of a of a, a system. system for anybody to 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 be looking forward to. So hopefully we get that sorted, and we're working hard on it and um. Hopefully, it won't be an issue. Cool. Hopefully. hopefully. Basmo, well, UFC 261, hit us with it. Where do you want to start? Yeah, okay. Uh, before we let Limo get back to uh, trying to get key people out of quarantine, uh, we'll just look over the action that happened over the weekend. Obviously, Kamaru Usman defeated Jorge Masvidal in the second round. Um, Liam, the question is, like, um, where do you think Kamaru Usman goes from here after beating Jorge Masvidal? Um, well, I think they said Colby is next. I don't like that, but um, that that's what I think. I believe Dana says, and um, I believe Colby also said that he's contemplating retiring as well at this stage. So um, it's kind of up in the air. Um, I'm not on board with this uh, uh, ghost talk for Kamara Usman. I know he's uh, got 14 wins in a row. I think is is his um, is his record at the moment, um, but only three of those have been title shots or title fights or four of them or something like that. So I don't believe he, he kind of ranks up there with GSP and uh, John Jones and a, a few others, Amanda Nunes uh, in particular as well. Um, but where does he go from here? I'll tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see him fight Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because he, uh, Wonderboy is one of, is one of the welterweights up there that uh, presents a style that's a problem for Kamar Usman. I think he steamrolls Colby again. He's already steamrolled Ori Masvidal. I think he'll do the same to Leon, uh, Leon Roberts. I think he'll do the same to Michael Chiesa. I think they need to give him, just for the sake of the division and for the sake of the sport, there's no point in us seeing him steamroll the same guy with a different face over and over and over again. Give him a challenge and, and let's let's raise another uh, contender. Hamzad Kaimiev is coming up there. Jeez. Mr. Paul O'Dee, who's my uh, co-presenter on the Guts and Glory podcast, will uh, be uh, swooning when I mention Hamzat Kaimiev, but um, he's a, he's another problem coming up through there. But um, that's yeah, that's what you want to see anyway. I want to see Wonderboy versus Usman. All right, Ross, what 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 creates green panty night for Kamara Usman? Well, uh, uh, as as uh, Limo said there, you know, it looks like it is going to be Colby Covington. You know, what I mean, you'll get a lot of um really corny shit talk between those two going back and forth. Uh, <laughs> one thing I will say about Kamara Usman is. I think he's changed the narrative on his career uh, over his last couple of fights. You know, I mean, he was Marty Fake Newsman or Marty Snoozman. And I don't think you can watch any of three of Kamara Usman's last three fights and say they were boring in any fashion whatsoever. Um, I must say, hats off to Trevor Whitman. Um, for me, he's MMA Coach of the Year this year. Um, he's done an absolute phenomenal job with Kamara Usman since he's got a hand, hands on And also, he had Rose Namajunas uh, in the co-main event, but Look, Kamara Usman, he looks like an absolute killer. He looks more dangerous now than he ever has. Um, he is a very, very tough puzzle to solve. Not many people can go undefeated in their UFC tenure. He is undefeated at the moment in his UFC tenure. He might finish undefeated depending on what sort of moves he does make. But um, who would I like to see him fight next? Oh, I'm a big fan of Leon Edwards does get the win. I would like to see that fight. Do I think Leon Edwards is going to beat him. Probably not at this stage from judging what I just saw in, from Kamara Usman there. But I do think Leon Edwards is very, very well-rounded. His defensive wrestling is very, very good and his striking is very good. So I think it could be an interesting matchup and he's a tough man to put get out of there, Leon Edwards. So I'd like to see that. But whether it happens or not, it doesn't It doesn't make green panty night Basmo. But who do you want? I I, th- I think the Colby Covington fight is just it was such a great fight last time that I, like I would like to see it again and like do you know what Colby's selling it for him Usman as well like I don't think Usman can really sell anything but Colby's like generating a bit of hype and he and he sort of he makes you think like even though we all saw the fight he sort of like says stuff and he, like he's trying to trick you into not happening I, 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 like you know what I mean like Usman finished him but he lets on he didn't it's you know what I mean like for people who didn't see the fight that's something that they have to be looking forward to. I wasn't a fan of that fight, I'll be honest. I, I don't see why people are ranting and raving about that being a great fight. I thought it was two mediocre kickboxers just basically doing mediocre kickboxing when they could have very, very easily put on a wrestling masterclass. It was just a kickboxing fight between two guys who couldn't kickbox. Now, I know uh, Camaro has shown 
improvement, certainly this fight. But back then it was just single, single punch combinations. That was it. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah, it was the drama. I know. It, it was the drama. You no, know, yeah. sex sells. It was the drama behind the whole thing, the the the, the back and forth between the two of them. And it, it was a good finish. I'll give him that much. I'll go, I'll go into the next fight then, lads. Obviously, Rose Namajunas came away with the win against uh, Wadey Zhang. Um, Ross, you thought Rose was going to get the win. Um, I didn't actually think she was going to win. I but, didn't uh, either. You didn't either? No. Ross, you're, you were right. What, what made you think she was going to win? I think we've lost audio there, yeah, Ross. No, Ross, unmute. Oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry yeah. about that, lads. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, technical difficulties. Um. There's just something about Rose Nami Yunus when someone comes at her with with aggression, which I believe Weili Zhang was. I think she, technically she's actually the best striker in the strawweight division. I think she's better than Joanna. You know, I mean, her boxing is so crisp. And like the way she threw that head kick, it was off the lead uh, front leg as well. And it was almost out of the blue. It was so yeah. nonchalantly thrown and it landed straight on straight on the money. And she went in there for the kill. Uh, one thing I will say about Rose Nami Yunus, very impressive. She only has 10 wins in her MMA career, and she's claimed the strawweight title in the UFC twice. No female has ever lost a belt and reclaimed it in the UFC. Um, very few P fighters in general have been able to do it. I think Steve Miocic is probably the most famous to ever do it. Uh, and now Rose. I just think if she is mentally there and ready to fight, she is a tough problem in that division to fight. Um, Liam Oak, uh, who do you think Rose should take on next? Or do you think um, there should I be think a rematch? It's the winner. I think it's the winner between uh, Carla Esparza and is it Juan Shanan? Yeah. The I, other I, Chinese fighter. The other Chinese girl, yeah. yeah. yeah that's what I say. Um, Paula D pronounces all the Chinese names brilliantly and I, I just refer to him normally. So, but yeah, um, yeah, I think, I think that's what's next. Um, we, we, we had a kind of a, a, um, a segment on our podcast there last week where we were describing the, um, the revolving door that's been um, the, the strawweight division. You've had like uh, Joanna Yunjajic, Weili Zhang, Rose Nam Yunus, and who's the fourth one? Andraj. Yes. The, between those four, that, that's, that, that, that's been your title picture for the last couple of years. So we need some fresh faces in there. Um, there's a couple of uh, younger athletes in the 125 division, which I think that could possibly drop down. I'm thinking of uh, Miranda Maverick and um, there is, there's a couple of like early 20 year olds mm. that, are, that, are, that are coming up to the ranks and we need to see a couple of those kind of be developed a, 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 a little longer, but two years time, then we'll have some fresh, um, fresh blood up there around about the top. But for mm. now, Carlos Barza and Wang Shanan, the winner of that one. Also, that'd be an interesting rematch if Carlos Barza could win to rematch against Rose Namajunas, which was the inaugural um, mm. strawweight title fight. Also, Mackenzie Dern's making a bit of a charge at the moment, and she's got a bit of a star power behind her, so who knows? Yeah. Yeah, she looked awesome in her last fight as well. And then, lads, in the, the third title fight, Valentina Shevchenko defeated Jessica Andrade. I think everyone picked this one. But, like, where does Valentina go from here? She's just so dominant. And, like, where does she go from here? Ross, where do you think Valentina should go from here? I think Valentina Shevchenko is the Demetrius Moidemus Johnson of flyweights. I don't think there's a flyweight on the planet that can touch her. Um, she took Dresha Andrade down at will. Yeah. Um, she got in that uh, side mount and crucifix position. Um, she just absolutely hammered her. She's a stone cold killer. Um, the way she says that, is she, she was like, I don't really have a game plan. I get in there and my body takes over and it just does whatever it does. You know what I mean, Very she, true though. She's a very scary proposition. I know people are clamoring for the Amanda Nunes trilogy. It, look, if it's made, I'll absolutely be delighted. I'll watch it. I think she's going to fight Lauren Murphy next. Um, Lauren's oh. quite a good wrestler. I think it'll be interesting to see her fight that. But like, let's be honest, I think Shevchenko will probably get her out there just as fast as she did Andrade. What's your take on it there, Liam? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, there's nobody in the flyweight division for... Um, Valentina at this stage uh, Lauren Murphy is just going to get absolutely steamrolled I think I, 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 I'm, I'm a Lauren Murphy fan in the same way as I'm a Roxanne Matafari fan like Roxanne and, and Lauren have against all odds stayed, stayed up there at the top of the division for so long um, without the, the benefit of like naturally phenomenal genetics like the, like the yeah. likes of um, Valentina Shevchenko um, but 
having said that, they're not getting past. They're not even getting into the in, into the same uh, realm as, as Valentina. I think the Amanda Nunes fight is the, is the one to make because I think it's the only way. It's the only where the only place that the two of them are going to get a challenge now is against each other. I think they're think, kind of in a similar position. Do you think they should put that Valentina Lauren Murphy fight on the Amanda Nunes Juliana Pena card? Therefore, they're perfectly yeah. lined up, and then they can finally do that trilogy. For whatever yeah. reason, Dana White doesn't seem that keen on the trilogy, but I think all the fans are very keen on the trilogy. Why not? I think he'll come around to it. He's been wrong before. Yeah. Didn't he say true. that women were never going to be in the UFC? He did indeed. He did indeed. In fairness, he does admit when he's wrong, and you have to give him credit on that. Well, I hope he's wrong about this Jake Paul thing. <laughs> oh, <stop>. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said not to bring that up. But, uh, We've tried to avoid it all week, but that's what the fans want. If it, the fans tend to get what they want, especially if money talks. But this is one thing we have to talk about, lads. Chris Wyman against Uriah Hall. Chris Wyman, obviously, he won the middleweight title against Anderson Silva with the same situation about the leg break, right? When, when you watch it in slow No, we defended it on this one. Oh, yeah, okay. But my, my point is, right? When you watch Chris Wyman after the leg break and watch his face, he doesn't even notice his leg's broken. And then when he stands down, I nearly got fucking sick everywhere. Like... Ross, you, you you told me some stat earlier about like Wyman being like it's only happened three times in the UFC and he's been part of it twice. Like when you saw that, what did you, what did you think, man? Yeah, I think it was David Loazzo, Anderson Silva, and then Chris Wyman. Throwback Thursday. Well, it's not Thursday, but throwback Thursday to David Loazzo. He he's a uh, very old school. There was um, a Corey Hill in there as well. Maybe it was Corey Hill. They look uh, similar. They're, he, yeah, they're he's a of, big, tall, six foot yeah. four featherweight. Yeah, so like chicken maybe, legs. Maybe maybe it's four time. Maybe I have the guy's name wrong, uh, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, uh, who was I listening to? I was listening to Luke Thomas. I don't know. Do you know Luke Thomas? Name off. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was saying that uh, if you came up with a movie script and you handed it to a producer in Hollywood, they would tell you to get lost because they wouldn't believe that that story was real. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it really was like something out of a movie. And sadly, I think that's Chris Wyman's career over. Yeah. He was thirty six going into this fight. It'll be uh thirty seven in June. By the time he probably recovers and get back from this 38, and will he be the same fighter as before? Probably not. I think Anderson Silva lost seven of his last eight fights after that leg break. Um, and I think and very sad five of his last seven already. Now six of Wyman had last five of his last seven before this fight as well. So now this is six of his last eight. So he's yeah, it's time to hang them up. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? He had he had an absolute fantastic career. I felt like. Uh, it's sort of weird to say he was the middleweight champion of the world, but I feel like he never fulfilled his potential. I felt like he was one or two. I don't know whether you, you probably have a coaching perspective, but I felt like he was always one or two tweaks away. If he stuck to more of a wrestling base, he could have actually had much more success in his career. And I thought like his top, uh, his on top grappling and the submission game was very, very strong. And he didn't utilize it enough. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a weird one. I think he was gifted the title first like Anderson Silva mm. just showing off and, and he like other if Anderson Silva had not shown off at that stage Chris Boydwin would have lost that fight there was no way he was getting anywhere near him you mm. know the second fight I, I mean that was a freak accident so yeah. you could argue that he was gifted those two fights mm. um, the fight against Rockhold he made one critical error he was actually on the way to win that fight he, he threw a spinning back fist yeah, Sorry, spinning yeah, back he, kick, yeah. Back wheel kick yeah, yeah and he, he fell hard. over or something <laughs> and Luke Rockhold uh, uh, got a top position and rained down elbows on him from the mount position and he never recovered from that. And I think, um, you know, so th- th- that that whole story there and he's kind of been hit and miss ever since. Um, as I said, five of his last seven were losses or or, or like he didn't, he, he had only one two. So, uh, yeah, I think maybe it's a case of a guy that probably shouldn't have won the title when he won it. If he hadn't, he would have gone back to the drawing board, developed with a couple of smaller fights and yeah. gotten better. Mm. But I think that the fact that he won it then meant that everybody he fought from then on was the best other person in the division. And he 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 wasn't there yet. It was he was he was the champion too soon. Yeah. And who can forget the Oro Romero knockout against him as well? That was like literally running into a bus. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but here look, we'll look UFC is back this weekend. UFC is every weekend. It's fucking brilliant. Uh Dominic Reyes is taking on Yuri Prochaska in the light heavyweight division. That's headlining this Saturday. Um Ross, what are you expecting this weekend? Uh, people were saying Dominic Reyes should have beaten. He did beat John Jones. He then lost to Jan Blackbitch for the title. What are you expecting here now? I just really like Yeri. I think he's an absolute wild man. I think his fight stance is so awkward and unorthodox. And um, there's just something about him that 
I, I'd hear from me, it's almost um, it's shades of almost like Johnny Walker esque. Yeah, isn't, I mean, it? You, isn't it? You don't you don't really know what's coming. He throws shots from weird angles. Um, also, he's a European guy. I think Dominic Reyes after he had that very close fight with John Jones, I don't really care whether people want to say wins or loss. I think you can make an equal argument for both. Um, I just think he went into that Jan Blachowicz fight and he almost assumed he would he, he would win. And then, you know I mean? I don't think it was going to be that straightforward. And I don't know whether he's going to get that confidence back that he had going into the John Jones fight. So I just think Yuri's coming off win. He's very, very confident. And Reyes is coming off know the biggest you know sort of disappointment of his career and losing the fight to jones especially considering he thought he won and then losing to jan and yeah. such devastating fashion so i'm gonna go for yuri Liam? Liam. yeah i'm in the same boat um I, i'm a yuri fan um even though he's only had i think he's only two fights in the ufc at this stage but mm. we've got a, a, a we've got a, a fighter here in the gym uh by the name of rory Hennebury. And he is the most awkward motherfucker to fight. And he, he is perfectly matched for Yuri uh, Prochaska. Um, the, the strikes that this guy throws are just the wrong strikes at the wrong time, but they work. And that's <laughs> there's no way that you can prepare for somebody like that. And Dominic Reyes, as you rightfully said, is is his confidence is low. Do you know that yeah. that that do you know uh, being beaten by John Jones? I I, I think that was pro- that probably boosted his confidence that he got so close, but. Uh, then the, the 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 knockout to Blahovic, that takes that takes something from your soul, and you need a bounce back fight. And I think Yuri is just the wrong guy for him. I I see Yuri hitting him with a back fist or something like that, or a toe puck, or I think he might even just hammer fist the top of his head or something. Mm. There's something weird going to happen with this Yuri Prochaska. I could, I could picture a flying knee. He's just a, a firework in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Yuri as well, lads. But uh, like the, this card obviously isn't amazing. It's coming off uh, a pay-per-view event. But like Cub Swanson's on it. Kuti, Kuti Laba's on this as well. Like you have to watch him once he gets in there. He walks right up to them. Um, so like it, it should be good crack. That's this Saturday. Uh, PFL is on Thursday this week. It says here actually uh, Roy McDonald's fighting Melinda. Uh, Anthony Pettis lost over the weekend as well. That's not great for them at all. And then this Friday, Mikey Conlon's fighting as well. He's fighting in London. And then on Saturday, Katie Taylor's fighting as well. Um, that's sort of like gone over everything. Ross, I, I didn't know we were going to get this deep to the end, but it was uh, it was very good to hear the background and like what's actually going on, the structure in the background. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the future of Irish MMA. And we will have more people that are representing Irish MMA to talk about in the future. Yeah, well, definitely. I think we were making some assumptions and making some guesses. Uh, Limo set the, set the record straight, which is yeah. way better. Uh, power is definitely knowledge, and we appreciate the knowledge and wisdom you have bestowed upon us, uh, Limo. Um, Limo, do you have anything you want to add in, bar wishing um, the fight in Irish? Good luck this weekend. Also, let us know uh, about your podcast, where we can find it, and any social handles you have. Yeah. Sure. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards there because my brain works in, in reverse order, right? So yeah. find me on uh, Twitter, Liam OG Griffin, also Instagram and Facebook under that, and that handle as well. Uh, it's the Gusting. I got that wrong, didn't I? It's the Guts and Glory MMA podcast. Uh, we're up on YouTube. We've got um, obviously a live show, kind of kind of like this, a kind of a live chat kind of discussion panel. We do that twice a week live. And then we've got uh, three or four kind of regular uh, segments, top 10 lists, um, Paul does a matchmaker where he matches up all the all the fighters who've won and lost from the previous event and what, what they should do next. And then we've got like Andy Hickey from um, from Clonmel, who's like a master statistician. This dude has I don't know has he got like servers in his attic or what, but he comes up with some of the best and interesting facts that I've I've, I've come across. And he does um, behind the tape uh, um, segment for us every week where it's just stuff that you just you just didn't know about like. The, it's it, he always catches me for a loop, so he does that. So guts and glory MMA podcast. Um, shout out to and um, the the Irish team has a, a busy year ahead of it this year. We've got um hopefully the squads, the squads we're hoping to get going in May. We've had a couple of um uh, event like squad sessions planned that had to be cancelled due to um lockdowns, but hopefully we get back in May because we've got the the youth championships is in uh, Istanbul in August. We've got the European Championships is in St. Petersburg in Russia. And we've got the World Championships later on in the year, which is in Kazakhstan. And anybody who comes back from Kazakhstan with a medal should have a statue erected in their honor on freaking uh, whatever 
O'Connell Street in Dublin or, or Patrick Street in Cork. It's going to be a tough year for the Irish, but we're going to we're going to step up and meet the challenge. Yeah, because we've all seen how tough Borat is at wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was wait, I was going to crack the, the the swimming dog thing he has, like Mankini. But uh, yeah, Ross, I forgot to mention as well, uh, shout out to everyone who got onto us for the, getting on the UFC 262 countdown video. That's our second time. And, uh, 261, man. No, don't, 261. Be, don't be ahead of yourself. But I was going to let the cat out of the bag. I think I just did. We're going to be on the next one as well. So that's going to be third time. And then let's see what happens as well for the future. Nice. But right, Liam, thanks a million for coming to the show. Uh, if you are new to the show, make sure to like, make sure to share, make sure to subscribe. And as always, stay, stay energized. energized.